The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Tension draining from the body, softening the face, the belly, the legs. Noticing that you're here. Bringing attention to the base that you're sitting on, so the seat against the chair or the cushion, legs or feet against the floor. Feeling that groundedness, that solid base that supports you, and just letting go into that, allowing the earth to support us. Allowing the shoulder blades to slide down the back, releasing the shoulders. And bringing to mind the simple intention to be present with experience. sit in our easy chair and allow the things of the world to go by the window and the door without getting up out of our chair. Body sensations come and go. Ripples of feeling, emotion, come and go. Thoughts come and go. We sit quietly with kind attention for the experiences of body and mind. When the mind catches hold of something and begins to think or begins to get drowsy, a little dull, when we notice, just allow the breath, the body, experience to be Again, at the forefront, the flow of present moment experience. Releasing back into the present.
as our attention begins to stabilize a bit, stillness of the body supporting some degree of stillness of mind. We can sometimes bring attention to our relationship to experience. There's what we're observing and there's how we are in relationship to that. Sometimes we notice that we want our experience. We like it. We want it to continue. This is a particular relationship to experience. Sometimes we notice that we don't want something in our experience. We wish it weren't there or that it would end. Mindfulness includes acceptance of what arises and what passes. We cultivate an attitude of acceptance or even curiosity. Allowing what is to come and go. without our pushing and pulling on it, with our wants and not wants. This is mindfulness. One thing that happens through meditation is a harmonization of our relationship to experience. Harmonizing our awareness of the body. Harmonizing our relationship to our emotions and thoughts. In this gentle way, moment by moment, bringing our life into balance.
as we reach the end of this sitting. Just gently noticing that whatever we're sitting with at this moment, it's okay. At this moment, the body and the mind are okay. So welcome to our afternoon together. I'm completely delighted to be here with Liz today. Some of you know Liz Powell, and if you don't, I guess you will by the end of today. <laughs> uh, would you would you like to say a few words about who you are or aren't? <laughs> I came to. Is this, yeah, there we go. I drove up to IMC the other day, and somebody greeted me outside by saying, um, oh, great, nobody was here before you got here. And I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> you were here. Um, so uh, I am a fellow practitioner here at IMC. I've been coming here for the last 12 years and practicing and have uh, derived so much inspiration and camaraderie in the practice of the Eightfold Path. And I've been helping as a mentor the last couple of years in this Eightfold Path practice. Also get a lot from volunteering here. So I've volunteered as um, in leading s- some of the children's programs and family retreat and parenting program. And right now I'm volunteering um, on the board. I'm president of the board right now. So... If you hang around here long enough, you get to do lots of interesting volunteer work if you feel inspired to do so. So, Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, so this is our... We're beginning the month now on Right Livelihood. This is the fifth step of the Eightfold Path. And it's... um. It's a topic that both Liz and I have worked on in our own lives and maybe still are. So it's very, I think it's going to be very rich for all of us in this room today. So we began with right view and right intention, which are considered the wisdom portion of the path. Isn't that great? You get to start with wisdom. <laughs> and then... Um, These last three that we've worked on, right speech and right action, and now we're going to do right livelihood, this is considered the ethical conduct portion of the path. This is just a review. Um, So this is the part where we're in relationship with others and with our world. We'll talk a lot about many of those dimensions today. And it's setting us up for... um, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, the so-called samadhi, or concentration steps of the path. We'll have several opportunities today to see how these link together. It's just nice to step back now and then and look at the whole context. Or I guess you could also say you've made it to more than halfway now. (laughs) So right livelihood. I'd like to talk a little bit about that today. It is, in a sense, the crown of the sila steps of the path, the ethical conduct steps, right speech, right action, right livelihood. It's kind of a, could see it as a culmination of our work 
in bringing our external behavior into harmony with our heart. How is it that we're acting in the world and in relation to others? And we come to realize also that ethics includes our relationship to ourself. So there's all of that going on. But an important question when we get to this word livelihood, since it's not used in the Buddhist sense of the same as conventionally, you know, in our usual usage of the word, we mean our, our financial support, our job or something, our livelihood. What are we going to do for our livelihood in the world? I would like to open this word a bit today and point out that livelihood is maybe more how we sustain our life, which comes from a lot more than just our job or just our money. To use those kinds of financial terms, though, we could say that it includes everything that we consume and produce. Our life. This is what we're doing here. Some, so then some elements of consumption would be our food, our water, our residence, our clothing, and our means of keeping our bodies healthy, caring for the body. All of this is part of what we take in. And then things that we produce include, of course, our paid work, but also volunteer activities, family activities, participation in our community, hobbies, other things that we go out and do. So all of this is our life. It's part of how, we, how we're living in this world. And wise livelihood means bringing all of that into the consideration of our practice in some way. I think in our culture, which is very career-focused, we can easily be seduced into thinking that all these other considerations um, are only important after we have secured sufficient money from our job. You know, then I'll think about these other dimensions. But as we practice with the way that we live, I have found that it becomes clear that a more integrated approach is necessary, thinking about our life. So what we're doing is we're going to apply mindfulness to our lifestyle. And then we begin to sense how our lives are part of a larger picture. You know, as a very, just a small example, but a common one, our purchases have effects in the world. So, for example, when we buy an apple, of course we support the store that sold it to us, but we also support the distributor, the farmer, the picker, all the other people that were involved. If the apple is organic, we're adding a small amount of support to that type of agriculture. We make choices every day about how we use water, electricity, plastic, paper, oil, and also our time and attention. Bringing all of these into the understanding of livelihood, of our life, We can ask, how would we behave if we understood just how far-reaching the effect of all these choices can be? We're really part of something much larger. Really. (laughs) So livelihood can be seen as the general atmosphere that we're creating and inhabiting in order to sustain ourselves every day. So is our world toxic or healthy? Is it undermining or supportive? Is it depleting or nourishing? It's it's important, I think, to mention at this point that if we practice only with the physical aspects of life, things get very complex and they always involve trade-offs. This is something that I've found myself and observed in others. So we can get, you know, we can get entangled in worrying about whether um, plastic or paper bags are less harmful to the environment. (laughs) Um, I I remember once I saw a cartoon back when baggers used to ask paper or plastic. Um, It said, the bagger was saying at the store, 
Would you like deforestating paper or landfill burdening plastic? <laughs> and the poor shopper had to choose. Of course, you know, now we all have our uh, cloth bags that we bring in. But what if they're made of cotton? Cotton is one of the most pesticide-intensive crops in the world. Just that one crop accounts for a significant, noticeable fraction of pesticide use for one crop. So, of course, maybe it's organic cotton. That would be good. (laughs) Well, I'm setting this up deliberately because... um, It's essential also to include mental and spiritual components. The physical components alone are not our life. They're not everything. We have to include the mind and the heart. So, for example, if we're buying our organic apples, but we're doing so with a very resentful mind about the high prices, and we grumble and say, well, these are one and a third times as much, and blah, 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 maybe the less expensive option is doing more good for you at that moment because you're not fueling resentment. (laughs) We're not fueling resentment in the mind. If you have a hybrid car, but you find that that makes you feel very ecologically superior to your neighbors, I don't know (laughs) if that's something that I want to be cultivating. Um, And then also we can experience a lot of guilt. Maybe Maybe what your comment referred to a guilt about the inevitably large carbon footprint that we have as Americans. I'm using a lot of ecological examples, but I think we think about that here. You know, no matter how simply you live, if you live in the United States, you're using many times the amount of energy that somebody in the less developed part of the world uses. That's just how it is. But if you feel very guilty about that, it's not really leading to your happiness. So these are things we need to work with in some way. And also just generally living in a complex world of thinking and calculating um, and having anxiety about whether we're doing the best possible thing at every moment is probably not producing ease of mind. So we have to create a healthy ecosystem internally also for healthy living What if we dared to put out energy of contentment, calm, care, easeful joy into the world? I know people who get very entangled in how to live well, and then they tell other people how to live well. <laughs> let me tell you the late. Sometimes it's quite benign. Oh, let me send you this thing I got. It looks so interesting. Um, But sometimes it's, here, you need to read this book, or you really shouldn't do what you're doing. I don't know, is this the energy for the world? Is this helping in some way? This is all part of of these considerations. So I I think it helps a lot to broaden and include the mind and the heart in these considerations. Living well within our, it, it is complex, our complex culture and society and ecosystem means that we really need to include these spiritual components. Okay, so then the question becomes, well, how? How do we do that? I don't think you'll be surprised to know that the main ingredient is mindfulness. It's also, so we we look, we look at how we're living and we do the test. Is this leading towards suffering or is this leading away from suffering? Does this bring more ease and understanding and wisdom and compassion or is it bringing anxiety and a lot of thinking and judgment? It's also helpful to realize that what we need to live our lives well may look different in different situations. So, for example, the way that you constructed your life and put together your world when you had young children and were supporting them and bringing them up might look different. That might be a different thing than once your children have left home and you have a different, you have different conditions in your life. And so then the, the right livelihood, the wise way of living might look different. And so it's not so easy to just imitate other people. This is, 
This is where we start to sense that right livelihood comes from within, like all the steps of the path, it comes from within, even though it's performed in the outer world. So what's the best kind of livelihood or lifestyle for one person may really not be for another. Even within the spiritual world, you know, there are people uh, who, for whom long meditation retreats are really enticing and beautiful and something that they're just hungry for. For other folks, um, social action is the way they express their spirituality. It may be that that's the same person at different times also. So we have to be very aware of um, even constructing our spiritual life in a way that's nourishing and is onward leading on our path at that time. Sometimes we can think in our tradition uh, that ordaining is really the creme de la creme. You know, if I were really a serious practitioner, I could go and be a monk or a nun. I don't know. I'm not sure that's the best for everyone. But for some it's absolutely necessary and some not. So then, of course, that leads to the next question. Well, how do we know if we're going in the right direction, if our life is getting wiser? It's my experience is that when we begin to live and work in ways that are closer to right livelihood, there's a feeling of alignment, harmony in some way, less struggle, less stress, less fatigue. And this happens even if we choose work that's more demanding or we um, end up in a lifestyle that has a little bit less material comfort. Somehow, if we're closer to what's right for us, that feels aligned. It's kind of a gauge that we can use to sense our sense the development of this path factor within us. And then starting to tie this into the bigger picture, um, this, the sila steps of the path, like speech, action, and livelihood, are supporting the development of these next ones effort, mindfulness, and concentration, which are about the development of the mind. So the way we live is going to support what happens on the cushion. I think this is clear just in a, even in a hypothetical sense, or maybe you've already seen it for yourself, is that on the days when we haven't been so in alignment, our speech, our action hasn't been maybe quite as wise as it could have been, then when we sit down, we might think about that. Or we might wish we had done it differently, or we might think about how we can do it differently tomorrow. Of course, this is fine. This is mindfulness of thinking. It's normal. But we can sense that if the, if these actions in the world are wise and well-aligned in some way, then it's more easeful when we sit. This can even be true if the result of the action isn't ideal, because we don't always control the results, but we acted with our best intention. Even that we can feel good about. So as we live and work and have livelihood that creates less inner conflict, then we're gaining greater ability to settle the mind in meditation. It also goes the other way in a sense in that alignment in our work is an outward expression of the alignment that's present in our mind. So then, speaking in this broader sense Right livelihood uh, is about discovering our way of manifesting in the world that is most authentic and most aligned.
So again, it comes from within. It comes from our intentions, from our deep intentions for how we want to live. That's not to say that it's easy. Not at all. And it takes some time, sometimes, for that seed to grow and, or that thing, that flower to unfold and open. And because it's not so easy because it takes a little time sometimes it can take a lot of courage and a lot of faith to live in accordance with our deepest values it can help us maybe inspire us to understand that doing so is a supreme act of service in the world The world needs people who are opening their hearts and sensing what's there and living in accordance with that. Boy, does the world need that. So this is not necessarily a grand lifestyle change, although it could be. And I've depicted right livelihood as very broad, extended over time. But like everything on the path, like everything in this life, there's really just this moment. It's all right here. So right livelihood happens in each moment that we're consciously conscious of how we're using our energy and our attention and our body. How are these things being used at this moment? And if they're being used to support ourselves and all beings, that's right livelihood in this moment. Moment to moment to moment. We have these resources of our body and of our mind, our attention and our intention And so we can choose to use these resources for peace, for service, and for liberation. So these are these are some overview thoughts on right livelihood and really opening to the breadth of how our our whole life is our practice and our practices can be our whole life. It's quite beautiful. And I hope this has kind of opened, maybe opened the field for how we think about this. And then our, we're gonna explore this a little bit in a moment And then as we move through the rest of the afternoon, Liz will help us look really specifically, you know, some tools for looking at our own life. Because we're each one, one little example of a human life. Maybe one perfect example. Okay, so... Now there's going to be an opportunity for small group discussion around this topic. So could could you break into groups of four and then we'll we'll offer you some questions. And if there's one group of five, that's okay.
Okay, very good. So now, um, the format for this is that each person will speak for, oh, a a couple of minutes, a few minutes, and the others are to listen. So each one's just going to get a chance to speak one by one about about this question. Um, So the first question is, what aspects of your daily life feel most aligned with your heart's values? What aspects of your daily life feel most aligned with your heart's values? And you can just choose among the four of you who's going to speak first, and then as we go around, you'll just go clockwise from that first person. And the first person can begin as soon as you've chosen who that is. Okay, so bringing that to a close. You can stay in your groups because we have another question. Winding up. I'm glad this was exciting. We're going to ask later for uh, summaries of these because Liz and I didn't get to hear what you said. Okay, but... For now, we're going to do one more question about this, and the format is a little different. It's going to be that you'll just go around, and each person will contribute something to the as a response. And you can put a little bit of explanation around it, but you know, not a whole long story. It's just a contribution, and the next person makes a contribution. And you may notice that as people make contributions, you think of other ones. That's kind of the hope, and you'll just spiral around as many times as. Uh, as you go. So here's the question. How could you bring more of your activities into alignment? So remember we talked about alignment with our heart's values. How could you bring more of your activities into alignment? Okay, so whoever thinks of something first contributes and then you'll go clockwise from there until it seems like it's a good time for me to ring the bell. Okay, so bringing this to a close, and you can thank your group, and uh, come back to the main group. Come back. Okay, so now is an opportunity to share in the larger group some of the lovely wisdom that you might have been exchanging or any insights that came up through looking at those two questions. Actually, I do want to make one little comment, which is um, this question of how can you bring more of your activities into alignment. First of all, I, want to, I would love to hear what some of them were, so we'll get to that. And uh, this is an area where the mind can... Uh, go too far sometimes and get out of balance like we can believe that every single thing we're doing needs to be nourishing and well that that would be good but needs to like bring value and be optimized and be the most spiritual thing that we could do at every moment so i want to point back toward the comment i made in the dharma talk that um you know that if it goes too far and goes out of balance, then we're starting to bring anxiety about, am I perfect? Am I doing everything right? Am I, etc. So um, bringing more into alignment is really the parts that are dragging you down, getting those back to center, not decentering yourself on obsessing about alignment. Okay. Yeah. I think the way I interpret what you just said is it is on it is okay I needed to get it closer okay the the way I interpret right now what it popped into my mind when you just said that is be simple in the sense the way I do it um, I kind of do everything at the same time so choose something you want to and and that's what I was sharing with them what am I going to work today Mm -hmm. so I'm going to work kindness today so I focus my day on say thank you 
smile to the person I'm interacting with, appreciating the work that is being done for me. So just keep it simple for me. That's the way it works. And because I, I, I understand what you're saying, that, mm. that brush that I'm doing it all wrong. It's like, okay, let's just choose one thing today. It's a nice way. way Simplicity it is so beautiful. Yeah. Yes, and it has worked for me. Great. Yeah, that um, just tying back into the guided meditation, that attitude of perfectionism, that's a judgmental relationship to experience. And that's one thing that we look at with mindfulness. What is the relationship? Is it open and accepting or is it wanting, pushing, pushing away, etc.? Other comments? Or questions? This is about the second question, correct? Um, Definitely creating a support system in my life have helped me to bring more um, alignment in in my daily activities. From this center, I've been able to get a lot. And the techniques that you guys teach in the center are helping me immensely because at the beginning I thought that I was attending to another class. And the more I was bringing myself to this place, I noticed that there was a big change in coming to school and have uh, parking issues or uh, phone call issues or email issues and coming to an academic setting is very different than coming here and this is stress, coming to a very calm place in my body and in my inner peace, and then be, being able to be open to the talks. And that has had, that, uh, has had an impact in my life pretty quick. Mm. I noticed big changes um, in my alignment. Just as an example, a few weeks ago, you guys brought Tony, a writer. Yeah, Tony Bernhardt, yeah. Yes. And um, she just helped me to understand pain in my body. Before, I was um, much of the time saying, oh, I have pain in my ankle. I have pain in my low back. And today, I identify the pain. Oh, there is pain in my ankle. Mm-hmm. It's right there. It is no here. You hear the difference, right? I have compared to there is. There is. And yeah. eventually it's going to go away. So I don't have to go to my room and isolate myself and be miserable with the pain. I can bring myself to activities and eventually that pain is going to go away. Mm. And it's been the case in my life. So thank you for the existence of... Inside Meditation Center. Thank you. Um, I actually have a question about right livelihood. Um, this is a topic that's that's occupied me for quite a while uh, because um, I, I was wondering how how you figure out. I mean, I know that that each one of us, I'm sure, has gone through changes in, you know, in, in, in right livelihood, in, in the kinds of, you know, careers you've pursued. And um, some people have stayed in one career, and I've changed careers. I'm in ch- I am changing a career now. And I was wondering, how do you actually access what's right for you? How do you how do you really access that without you know going on a mind trip forever about it? But but really, because one thing I found, and I wanted to carry on from what Maria was talking about, is that is that the body does communicate with us. You know, the the body when the body exhibits certain symptoms, whether it's pain or 
you know, whether you lose a capacity in a certain part of your body, um, that's an indication that a change needs to happen. So my question is, you know, how do you stay true to what your body needs, but also what your, you know, what your direction needs to be? Mm-hmm. That's really specifically for you and tailored for you. Mm. Beautiful question. <laughs> I think you named the answer in the body. And I think Liz will have something to say about this also. It's also something that we're going to look at a little bit more, I think, in the second half, to some degree. Why don't you go ahead? What I appreciate in your... It'll take a minute for it to come up. Um, what I appreciate is that the question itself, entertaining that question and staying connected, as Kim says, with what your body is telling you, um, allowing time to for the answer to emerge. So sometimes our thinking minds get us going with the idea that I have to decide A or B. But one of the things that's really nice about this practice is that it can slowly emerge, oh, this activity is not so healthy for me anymore. Maybe this part of what I do is more helpful to me right now or... Maybe another interest that I have becomes my livelihood. So allowing yourself time for the cultivation of that. Does that make some sense? Yeah. So um, I think we tend to um, pressure ourselves in a way to expect things to be more immediate. And if we can, if we have the luxury to afford giving our bodies and our minds time and our hearts time, things bubble up and become more apparent with time. Thank you. That's really helpful. Yeah, it's a more allowing allowing it to be born in its mm-hmm. own way rather than because I've always had this idea, well, I I have to make a decision. I have to know exactly where I'm going. I have to know, you know, I, I have to know right now. <laughs> and it just doesn't work that way. I, yeah. you know, Let me ask a question of the room. How many people expected that your life would go as it has up to now? You expect it to be exactly <laughs> where you are. Not a one. Okay. Just just checking. Phew. <laughs> That's a relief. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So maybe this is a good time to have a, a short break. So we'll take 10 minutes and come back at 2.27.